Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Mr. Marius Ruert. So let's get into the first story of today, and that is something that's been going on for, I think, the last week at least, or a little bit longer, and that is the uh, outbreak of bird flu that is ravaging Pumalanga and particularly Gauteng. Uh, South Africa has culled about 7.5 million chickens in an attempt to contain the outbreak of two separate strains of bird flu, uh, which are already causing a shortage of eggs and also possibly soon chicken meat as well. At least 205,000 chickens have died from the flu itself, uh, and there have been 60 separate outbreaks across the country, most of those in Gauteng. Uh, there's already some rationing of eggs outside certain grocery stores, places like, uh, I don't know, in Johannesburg have, have begun actually controlling how many eggs each customer is allowed to buy. And uh, it looks like about 20 to 30% of South Africa's total chicken stock has already been culled. Uh, Namibia has banned imports of chicken products uh, from South Africa into the country. And it seems like it's developing into a major crisis for the industry, which has already been suffering a lot from load shedding, which has caused significant disruptions to our poultry industry. Uh, and Marius, my thoughts on this are, I think if we, you know, as details emerge of this, is probably going to be an aspect where the state could have uh, handled the crisis better. Um, I think that it's not entirely clear yet uh, as to what needed to be done or what, what was wrong. Um, but the underlying problem here for me is that when you have an industry that's already been weakened by something that is controllable, like load shedding, uh, like a problem that could have been avoided, uh, that you get really vulnerable to these kind of outside unexpected shocks. And while maybe the industry can handle load shedding and maybe the industry can handle bird flu, it's a lot dicier to expect it to handle both at the same time. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think it's, you know, the, the, the metaphor of a straw breaking a camel's back and, you know, camel can, can carry a lot of things, but you just put that last straw on and that's just too much for the camel. But I think uh, this is a pretty serious thing. Uh, you know, for for most South Africans, uh, chicken meat is the protein that they can uh, most easily afford. It's the cheapest meat for most people. Uh, we know that things like um, uh, beef and stuff is pretty expensive and lamb and all that kind of thing. So, you know, for, for most people, they get most of their protein from eggs or from chickens. And obviously, this is going to result in uh, chicken and egg prices going up which is going to have all kinds of other knock-on effects. And as you say, who knows how serious the, the, this, um, these various uh, blows to the industry will uh, hamper the industry overall. Uh, and uh, as you say, we, we don't know how this uh, bird flu outbreak happened, but it would be very surprising to me if it wasn't because somewhere the government didn't do what it was supposed to do and didn't you know uh, uh, produce enough vaccines for whatever or you know, quarantine birds from abroad or whatever the case is. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure after a while, I will, uh, we might get some, uh, things might become a bit more clear in the fullness of time. But for now, I mean, I don't think it's wrong to speculate that this outbreak and this current crisis is because of something the government's done. And we know there's big problems with animal medicine in South Africa. We know that uh, in rural areas in South Africa especially, there's problems with state vets. You know, there are not as many state vets as there need to be. Uh, probably because the state probably doesn't pay people enough and people don't want to go, you know, be out in the bundus and, uh, you know, it's probably easier to uh, open a practice in uh, a city somewhere and just treat uh, 
overweight dogs and uh, hamsters and whatever you instead of doing the hard work but you know i don't really blame anybody who chooses that driver uh you know it's obviously easier to just you know give it uh some fat spanielist injections than having to go far catch a, a mad goat or whatever it is you know in blockies fontaine or whatever the case might be we also know there's problems with the production of vaccines animal vaccines in south africa our colleague terence corrigan knows a bit more about this but i think if i remember correctly the only place in south africa that can actually produce a certain vaccine for some kind of horse or uh, cattle disease isn't working anymore or doesn't produce the um, you know the vaccine anymore so there's all kinds of other knock-on effects and yeah it's also like we've spoken a lot about on the show about microsms of what's happening in south africa and i think this is part of it as i say we we, we don't know what this uh, outbreak uh, was caused by but i'd be very surprised if somewhere the government didn't do what it's supposed to do and we're seeing these problems now so and now it's who, who's going to suffer the most at the end of the day as it always is in south africa it's poorer south africans you know most people who are on uh, decent incomes they'll be able to take the extra 10 or 20 percent uh, hit that uh, chicken prices are going to increase by now whatever it's going to be you know or just maybe supplement your diet or something else you know maybe whatever you know you're going to have steak on a friday so you don't need to have chicken on tuesday and wednesday a lot of people the only meat they get in a week is from chicken and they might not be able to afford that anymore so it's a big problem and yeah i, I think it's yeah quite a crisis to be honest no, very well said. Okay, let's move on to our next story. And this is a trading of accusations uh, between the uh, premier candidate for the DA in KZN, uh, Mayor Umgeni, Chris Papas, and the MEC of uh, Environment and Tourism, uh, Economic Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs in in, uh, in KZN from the ANC. Uh, the ANC has accused Papas of nepotism in the awarding of a hundred thousand grand contract to the Gany tourism board which is headed by papas's former partner a former fiance uh, papas has denied these allegations and is retaliated by saying that the mec uh has who is also the anc's provincial chairperson has been playing games with the appointment of officials in his municipality in fact he leaked a memo to his facebook group uh, where apparently the mec uh, has intervened in the process of performance uh, which which was appointing performance scores for the current head of department uh in 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 a, in, a, in, a, in the Mgeni municipality um morris what do you make of all this i mean uh, papas has i think been a little bit of a rising star on the national stage um, because he's this quite interesting character <laughs> who seems to be doing a pretty good job in Umgeni. Um, do you think there's any credibility to this? And what do you make of his accusations about the ANC? Well, look, I mean, I think we all have to always assume that somebody's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, but I just wish that the ANC would be, uh, you know, get as, as angry about corruption in places where it actually governs. You know, it seems to get very upset about alleged corruption in places where it's in the opposition. But in places where it's actually governing and it can do something about corruption, it seems to turn a blind eye. And, you know, uh, I can't really comment on whether Papas is guilty or not. I mean, this doesn't really pass the smell test. And if he is guilty, then, you know, that would be great for the DA and he's obviously then got to go through the processes. I mean, but if I was a betting man, I'd probably say I don't think he is guilty, considering who's accusing him here. And obviously, if the, it is about 100,000 rand contracts, 100,000 rand is a lot of money. But in the big scheme of ANC corruption, it's barely a drop in the ocean. Of course, if if it's all true, then Papas must 
you know, he must resign, he must step back, but I just personally don't think it's true. But uh, just doesn't really sm pass the smell test for me. But if I'm not mistaken, Sibusiso uh, Duma, a little while ago in the KZN legislature, I can't remember exactly what he was talking about, but he was talking about uh, Ungani and the small boy who's in control of it. And he was obviously referring to Chris Papas. And I remember Chris Papas referred to it. So it just shows you, I mean, obviously in uh, politics, you're going to say kinds of things to each other. But, you know, that's in, uh, I think a lot of cultures in South Africa to call somebody a small boy is, you know, basically one of the worst insults you can say about somebody. And I think uh, that's what's, and I think what's happening here, this is a lot of just politics. And as I was saying to you before the show, uh, we recently, I think you might have mentioned it yesterday or day before on the Daily Friend app about how badly the DA, uh, sorry, the ANC's polling in KZN. The last polling I saw was the DA and IFP from the Social Research Foundation, uh, or boss from Skrinia. Uh, the IFP and the DA were polling at, de depending on the expected turnout, between 40, 42, 44, and 48% in KwaZulu-Natal, more than the ANC. So I think the ANC is really running scared in KwaZulu-Natal. But if the ANC had been polling at 60% and the combined DA, IFP, uh, vote tally in KwaZulu-Natal was 20% or whatever, I don't think we, you know, Papa's could have stolen you know, <laughs> millions of rands in and don't think the ANC would have cared. But that said, if the uh, the DMIP were only polling about 20%, Papa's wouldn't be the mayor of Ungani because obviously the the, uh, the DM, both the IFP are pretty resurgent in uh, KwaZulu-Natal at the moment. And Ungani, as you know, is the only uh, municipality um, outside of Gauteng uh, in the Western Cape. And I think uh, maybe there's one municipality in the Eastern Cape where the DA has ever won outright. And it's obviously the first uh, municipality in KwaZulu-Natal that the DA has governed. And it's doing a pretty good job and it's making the um, municipalities around it, so I think yeah, it's leaving them in the dust, which is obviously not great for the ANC, especially ahead of uh, the election next year. Uh, definitely. And I think this is a very clear sign that election season is fully underway. And I would uh, expect this to only be the opening salvo of what is sure to be a lot of fury and fire um, between the political parties. Okay, let us move on to the last story for today. And this is a really fascinating little thing that I think says something very interesting about South Africa. And that is that apparently there are more Airbnbs in Cape Town than there are in major cities around the world, places like Amsterdam, San Francisco, and Singapore. Uh, not just those cities, but even tourism hotspots, places like Bangkok or Barcelona. Cape Town has approximately 21,000 Airbnbs. Bangkok is on about 20,800. Barcelona, 18,000. Uh, the world leader seems to be London with about 87,000 Airbnbs. Uh, and Paris following that was 67,000. So this is very interesting because uh, Airbnbs are often like a very small, small scale tourism enterprise, right? It's someone who has a second house or has a cottage, or sometimes they even rent out their own house on Airbnb. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an affordable way for tourists to come and stay. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, you have a very personal relationship. It's much less sort of mechanical than like a big hotel chain or something like that. And I think it's fascinating that South Africa seems to be a bit of a world leader in what is a more sort of technologically sophisticated form of tourism. And I think that says quite a lot of interesting things about the potential for South Africa and its tourism industry to really shine on the global stage more than they already do. What do you make of this, Morris? Yeah, I think uh, that's uh, quite a good point. Uh, it's also the kind of way the world economy is going. Uh, the biggest taxi company in the world is Uber. 
and they don't earn they don't own a single vehicle uh, as far as i know uh and the biggest uh kind of um the short stay accommodation company in the world is airbnb and they don't own a, a single uh, property around the world you know what they do it's a minuscule amount so i think uh yeah that's all part of uh how the world's uh, changing quite a lot a lot of technological advances and so uh, that kind of thing as you say um but it's also i, I know a lot of uh, cities around the world have started regulating airbnb you can't just turn your property into airbnb without the government's uh, permission and uh, obviously yeah, yeah okay i think that point of, of regulation might actually be part of the reason here i would not be yeah. surprised if some of these other cities have already regulated airbnb to the point where the hotels are able to regain their foothold and perhaps south africa because you know sometimes we're a little bit slow to regulate things um, or maybe the DA has taken a different approach in Cape Town to to uh, the way the ANC would re- regulate things, and that has created the space that has allowed this this uh, market to flourish. But also, a lot of uh, uh, often actually Airbnb is more expensive than normal hotel these days, and you often get all kinds of I've read some horror stories on the internet of you know hidden uh, fees and stuff. You get charged a cleaning fee of a hundred dollars at the person's Airbnb and so on, and if you're just staying in an ordinary hotel. Unless you completely trash that hotel room, you're probably not going to really, you know, part of the cleaning is all included in your price. But uh, I'll just quickly give you a small personal anecdote. I'm a bit uh, off Airbnb. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine and I went down to Cape Town to watch the uh, annual New, uh, New Year's test at Newlands in Cape Town. I remember it was England was down there at that time. We hired an Airbnb. All seemed fine. We get there to the guy's house. Very nice, nice fellow. But he, uh, he was basically using us to... Uh, a house at his house. He asked uh, me and my friend to feed his two cats while we we're away, which was fine. But obviously now there's a responsibility that you didn't really sign up for. So we 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 uh, we paid the guy so he could feed his cats for the four or five days it was that we were down in Cape Town. So it wasn't. I mean, obviously it wasn't that onerous, but still, you know, you don't have to feed everybody's cats when you just stay in a hotel. Uh, I must say that uh, when I travelled in the US recently, I really enjoyed Airbnb. I thought it was a great service. Um, so, but I yeah, there were there were. The, the quality varied wildly, though, between the different ones I stated. Some were immaculate and amazing, and others were a little bit more awkward, um, like you say. But anyway, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening. We hope that you found the show interesting. And all I can say is that's a wrap for today.